Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Lighthouse Bible Church. I do want to remind everybody who's on Skype this morning that we are recording. And if you haven't done so already, we, we ask you to kindly mute your microphone. And if you have your camera on, if you could turn that off as well. Let's begin by praying together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all that you have blessed us with. We thank you, Father, that as we once again come to this time of year, we can, if we choose to, just reflect on the meaning of your son's birth. We will help us to do that this morning and help us through the ministry of the Holy Spirit and your word to continue that so that we have the right perspective, particularly in these times. We ask this morning also, Father, that you continue to watch over and care for all of us, in particular for Peter and Ruth, but everybody too. And we just pray, Father, that you would keep us healthy, that you would keep us focused on your son. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome. On behalf of Lighthouse Bible Church, let me be the first, I don't know if I'm the first, but to wish you all a very Merry Christmas. And uh, because of uh, where Christmas lands this year on a Saturday, this is the Sunday to celebrate it, and that's what we're going to do. Um, Christmas can be a simple time, but we have to let it be that. As we learn in Second Corinthians chapter 11, there are times, and all the time, that we need to guard our hearts and minds because we can so easily be led astray and lose the simplicity of Christmas, the simplicity, the purity of simply being devoted to Jesus Christ. The title of today's message is God with us. A simple expression, God with us. And yet there's so much to unpack. There's such an amazing fact that in those three words, God with us. It can be very hard to resist the pull of the world at this time of year. But we really need to try to do that. And you know what? It's real simple. The way to resist the busyness of the season, the distractions of the season, the people that have impulsive, rude driving habits during the season, the the times when you feel like, in addition to all your regular duties, you have these other responsibilities that weigh on you. They're not really responsibilities. They're traditions. And yet, it does add anxiety to this season, which should be the opposite of that. And, and the way to counter that is to ask the Lord, ask him, please slow me down. Please calm my soul. And then let's let the real story of Christmas just pull us in instead. It has its own pull. It's more powerful pull. But we have to allow that to happen. And and the way we do that is uh, very simply to go to the scriptures. And these are scriptures that I know all of us have been to before, heard before. But this morning, I just ask to let this be a simple time when we are simply being devoted to the purity of devotion to Jesus Christ as we look at the real simple but profound story of Christmas. Just a reminder to everybody on Skype, once again, that if you uh, have your camera on, we would please ask that you turn it off. We do have a camera that's on right now. I don't know if it's, uh, I'm not a technical wizard, so I don't know if everybody's seeing it, but I sure am. And actually, I'm going to do that. That'll probably help. Okay, let's go to Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Now, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. That was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for that census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, 
because he was of the house and family of David, which is in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. And while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. But today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ, the Lord. A Savior, who is Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard, just as it had been told them. Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. She treasured all of these things, the long journey, as difficult as it was, the, the pain of giving birth, the, 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 the crude and, and uncomfortable place in which she had to give birth to her firstborn. But then seeing this baby, this new child, and then having shepherds come and telling them that this is the Savior, Christ the Lord, and that there had been a multitude of angels praising God and declaring peace among men with whom God is pleased. And she probably almost certainly thought back to what had been told earlier by another angel to her about who this child was and how he would be conceived. And I'm sure all of these things she was treasuring right then in her heart, but also pondering them, considering them, rolling them over in her head again and again and again. Well, this was the first Christmas, the first one. This was the mother who had just given birth to this child there would be a lot of opportunity for anxiety and there was a lot of busyness around her and the child. And yet she simply treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. And what had they seen? What things was Mary treasuring and pondering? It's simple. A baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. A baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And an angel said to the shepherds, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a savior who is Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. A newborn baby. Still. Sleeping, probably. Silent. Tiny. They saw a baby and at first he seemed no different from other babies they had known. Healthy. 
no parts missing, thank God. He had two eyes, he had a nose, he had tiny fingers and tiny toes. Human, certainly. All around him were grown-up humans. They were the ones making a fuss, but not him. His mother had gone through the pains of childbirth. Her husband had traveled with her, made the arrangements, humble as they were. And shepherds had arrived in haste to see him, this baby lying in a manger. And, you know, Luke keeps describing him. And it's always that simple description. A baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Today, we're going to see him for ourselves. We're going to have opportunities right now to ponder him. This baby, human wrapped in clothes, and lying in a manger. Why all this fuss about this one baby in this humble manger? Who is he? Well, the fuss was created by angelic messengers sent from God. Think of it. A simple baby in a stable, in a manger, wrapped in clothes, ordinary looking, like, like thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions of babies that are born, he appeared to be just like them all. And yet around him was all of this excitement and anxiety and fear and, and joy and just all of these things. And why? Because the angelic messengers then reveal things about him. This little baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And the things that these angels said about this baby, this child wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Look at verse 10 of Luke 2 again. But the angel, the angel sent by God in the clo- coming down from the clouds and appearing suddenly to them in their fields by night, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news, good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ, the Lord. A Savior, who is Christ, the Messiah, the Son of David, and the Lord, God in the flesh. Let's treasure these things ourselves. Let's ponder them in our heart. There was there were other there was other angelic visitations. The angel Gabriel had appeared to Mary nine months earlier. Let's go to Luke chapter one, verse twenty six. The, the 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 excitement, the fuss. It was an ordinary baby in a in a stable in a manger, wrapped in clothes. It was the message about him that had come from heaven, that was exciting and fear inducing, and and amazing and joyful. And simple. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. For she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall name him Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, that wonderful name. What did it mean? What does it mean? It means Jehovah saves. It means the Lord saves. In his very name, the reason why he came, the reason why the angels came and delivered the messages that they did, was all in his name. But as we'll see, there were actually other names for this child that were going to be given as well. He will be great, verse 32. He will be called the Son of the Most High, a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger, human, with human features, born of a woman, was called 
the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. I hope for us who have been studying what we've, what we've seen is the Davidic covenant, the promises made to David about this king, this Messiah who would one day come, would see in verse 32 the fulfillment of that. He will be called the Son of the Most High, God in the flesh, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, the throne that was promised to David, of one who would come, one of his descendants, who would have a throne and a kingdom, and that kingdom would last forever would have no end and that's what that's what the angels said as well verse 33 and he will reign over the house of Jacob the nation of Israel and his kingdom will have no end surely Mary this this devout yet simple woman after all there was a synagogue in Nazareth and certainly she was one who frequented it and clearly at one time or another she had heard the, the promises made to David in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And she, clearly she would have recognized exactly the meaning of what was said. And, and, it, and it flashed before her. I've heard this before. It was promised to David in 2 Samuel. It is reinforced time and again by the Psalms and by the prophets. And now here he is. It, it will be miraculous, this birth. And he who will be in my womb will be the son of God the son of the most high. And this is the one, the promised one, the expected one, the Messiah who will be given a kingdom, rule over the house of David, and that kingdom will have no end. In a baby, wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. The message from the angel got more and more amazing. You will conceive in your womb, bear a son, and you'll give him the name Jesus. The Lord saves, but he will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Amazing. This one, this baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger, will reign over the house of Israel forever. That kingdom will have no end. And Mary wondered. She said, listen, I'm a virgin. How can I possibly give birth to a child? But the angel told her. She said, he said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Holy Spirit. The Spirit had been revealed in the Old Testament, not like the Spirit would be revealed in all the fullness of the knowledge of him, but enough. Isaiah talked about the Spirit coming upon this Messiah. And here it is that the same Spirit would come upon her. The power of the Most High would overshadow her. And for that reason, what reason? The Holy Spirit is involved in her conception. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. That power, that heavenly power would be a part of her conception. And that's the reason why this holy child shall be called the son of God. No human father, but God will be his father. He told Mary that she would conceive in her womb and bear a son, a human baby boy. And yet the angel told Mary the name that she was to give to her newborn, the name Jesus this was to be a supernatural birth. No human father. God, the Holy Spirit, would come upon her. The power of the Most High, God, the Father, would overshadow her. And for that reason, the Holy Child, holy at birth, shall be called what? This baby, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, called Jesus by his human mother, will also be called the Son of God. Let's treasure these things. Let's ponder them in our hearts, not just today, but as we move through the rest of this week, as we get to Christmas Eve, and we should celebrate and have excitement and have all those things that we want to have in Christmas. We can do all of that, and yet inside we can have that peace, that wonder once again, like a child, like a child looking at the crush when you're when you're five years old, and that's what you're drawn to. This baby wrapped in clothes lying in a manger. Let's treasure those things.
Let's ponder them in our hearts. We can do it. Later on, an angel of the Lord, another angel, came. And this time, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph, Mary's fiancé. This angel came later, after Gabriel had appeared to Mary. This angel appears to Joseph, the one betrothed to Mary, her fiancé. It must have been very disturbing to him to find out that his fiancé was with child because he knew better than anybody else that it wasn't his child. And so, as we know, he, first of all, wanted to just say, listen, I'll leave you. I won't I won't reveal anything, but I can't marry you. And that's when the angel came. Look at Matthew chapter one, verse 18. These passages have been with us and we've heard these passages, I'm sure, those of us who have been coming to hear the word of God at this time of year. But today, let's zoom in on the simplicity of what it says and the wonder. That's that's what we want to take with us today. Look at Matthew chapter one, verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, not wanting to disgrace her, Plan to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. God has performed this. It's a miracle. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. The simplicity and the wonder. That's what his name means. Every time we say the name of Jesus, we are saying the Lord saves. This baby, wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger, though God will save us through this baby. Wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22, now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. God with us. God with us today. God became man and he's remained man and whilst remaining God. And for now and forevermore, he's with us. He's one of us, and yet he's still God. God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son and called his name Jesus. A baby lying in a manger, wrapped in clothes. To Joseph, the angel revealed that this child would save his people from their sins. Let's treasure this and let's ponder that in our hearts again. But let's let's go back to that scene. Yes, we know that Jesus is the Savior. We know that he's the Son of God. We know that he died on the cross for our sins and was buried and was raised on the third day. But in the Christmas season, with all the busyness and craziness, it's time to have the simplicity once again, to, to, to center our thinking, our meditation, our concentration on one object, one person. But this time a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. That baby will save his people from their sins. He's told a different message to Joseph than he told to Mary. Well, it was another angel, Gabriel. To Mary, she she was told that he would be of the line of David and be the king and have a kingdom forever. To Joseph, he told that this child would be the one who would save the people from their sins. Wonderful news after wonderful news. All of this took place, as he says in verse 23, verse verse 22 and 23. All of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet Isaiah. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. We are now um, in Thursday evening Bible class looking at 
the servant in chapters 42 to 53 of Isaiah. That servant was describing a, a grown up man. This, that, that we saw that in that in that passage, especially where we just were in chapter 53. It's unmistakable that this servant would be human as well as God and that he would be dying in the manner in which Isaiah described it. Very vivid, very clear, very specific. But that's not the only place that Isaiah talks about this baby who would come. He talks about it in chapter 7, in chapter 9. Even in chapter 9, he says that this one will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, God in the flesh. But let's look at Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son. And she will call his name Emmanuel. You see, this baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger will have a third name, Emmanuel. That name translated means God with us. God with us. First, a baby in a manger. He has three names now before he's born. His name is Jesus. The Lord saves. His name is the Son of God. And his name is God with us. Jesus, human, born of a virgin, son of God, divine, God himself, but human and God. And it's put together so simply, God with us, God and the man together in, a, in, a, in another amazing miracle. And he's for us. He's with us forever. Please turn to Colossians chapter two, verse nine. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. Let's see something else that is said about this child and the way it's described. You see, one of the questions that we want to answer is this amazing story, this fact that God was born in the flesh you know, and had a, had a body. What was the significance of that? Why did God, all-powerful, creator of all things, Righteous, perfect, and just, all power. Why did he come in the fo- and, and 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 be not only God anymore, but also a baby? It, it it was something that nobody could really comprehend back then. And let's be honest, we still can't really comprehend it now. This idea that God and man in one person, and you have to ask the question: Why? Why did God have to have a human body? Look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. For in him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. You see, Colossians 2, 9 gets to the heart of the matter. <clears throat> he is all the fullness of deity. You can't say it any stronger than that. He's not just deity. He's the fullness of deity. He, he, he is complete deity. He is God in every manner in which God is God. And yet he dwells in bodily form. He's truly human in every possible way also. And we can't fathom that really. It's beyond our ability to mentally comprehend, which is why it's a matter of faith. Why why it's a matter of saying this is the this is the simplicity and the power, you know, a simple story, an amazing story of a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger, angels calling him the son of God, angels calling him the one, the, the, the son of David who would have a kingdom forever, angels saying that he would save the people from their sins. But it's the simplicity of it all, and, and yet we have to ask that question. Colossians 2.9 answers that question. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells, and notice that's present tense. Not just when he was born and lived But forever, in him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. God with us, all the fullness of deity wrapped around the body and together forever. The body of this baby Jesus wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And we are called to treasure these things, ponder them in our hearts. But let's consider that question now straight up. Why did God's son become a human baby, Jesus? Why did God's son, why? We know it happened. We, we have the amazing specific detail. Luke, you know, presented these things in a sense, a matter of factly, in, in the best sense of that word. Here are the facts. 
Now, Luke was the one, the historian, who gathered all the information, much like if a, a, today, a person today writing a biography of, say, somebody like Alexander Hamilton or, or Truman or whoever, you know, a good historian gathers facts everywhere they can, primary sources, interviews with people who may have known this person, letters that were written. Well, well Luke did the same thing. He's the most reliable source for historic factual information. And he, he lays it all out. He talks about an angel coming to Mary. He talks about where where this baby was born, when he was born, the star. He says all of these things. He talks about the fact that there were shepherds and that they heard this amazing message. Now, now you might ask, how did that happen? And certainly it was by the Holy Spirit that Luke learned these things. But he also learned them from people like Mary, who was there eyewitness, heard what the shepherds said. Why did this person, God in the flesh, why did he have to become a human baby, Jesus, wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger? Well, we've already seen it, but go back to Matthew one twenty one. Matthew one twenty one. The question is why. You know, the question is we we know we, we you know we, we say Jesus is the reason for the season. We say keep Christ in Christmas. But you know th- those can just become slogans and political rallying points unless we z- we zoom in and take the time. Just take the time and meditate. Consider these things. They're well familiar. We we, we all know. Many of us have known from childhood this amazing story. But what we can forget is the meaning of it. Why did he come? Meditate on those things. Consider those things. It's so important. You see, these are simple things, but in crazy times with with crazy distractions and things pulling us in every direction and worries and fears and the details of life, we can miss it. We, We can have this season go right past us. And all we're doing is in the busyness and in the football and in the wrapping, the all of that stuff, and yet never take an opportunity to consider why Did God's son become a human baby? Jesus, wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Let's let's review Matthew 1.21. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You know, the amazing thing about these stories, they're simple stories. Again, we've known them since birth. but, But perhaps we haven't taken enough time to consider all the things the angels said. And just... Think about how they how how amazing each one is and how they build on each other. That this little baby would save the people from their sins. This this idea that that we needed saving from our sins. This idea that the suffering servant of Isaiah 53 had to come and do what he did and take on our sins. The innocent one dying for the guilty. That's this baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. That's why God's son was born and, and became human. Let's not miss that. Let's not miss the fact that in the now in the future, all these other promises that God has made, particularly to the nation of Israel, to the Jewish people. And you think about the hundreds and thousands of years that they've waited, hopefully, for the promise of the Lord to David to come true. And now this one baby, another message from an angel, message, son of God, message named Jesus, save his people from their sin, message. Now, he would be the son of David who would sit on the throne of David and have a kingdom, and that kingdom would last forever. All of that, it compressed in the simple story about a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Why was, why was Jesus, God, dwelling in human flesh, baby? Why was the fullness of deity <coughs> dwelling in bodily form? Why did the angels say, this is the son of God? There would be a miraculous birth. It all comes down to one thing, ultimately, to save the people from their sins. To save the people. Now, at the time in which the angels spoke these words to Joseph, clearly when when Joseph heard the word, his people, he understood first and foremost that it was his people. It was the nation of Israel that these promises had come to. And yet yet time and time again, (coughs) this was a sinful nation. A rebellious nation, an idolatrous nation. They needed to be saved from their sins. 
Remember, Jesus came to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He had to first fulfill the promises of the Old Testament. And then, then, and through an amazing but disturbing, horrible fact that the nation would reject the king, the son of God. Then as he rose from the dead and was ascended back into heaven, then there would be this new thing that would come upon the the world. It would be called his body, but it wouldn't be his physical body. It would be people. It would be the church of, of Christ. It would be those who would be born again and that every one of those would become members of his body. All of that is also wrapped in the baby, wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. But first he needed to save the people from their sins. None of the things that I described could ever happen unless this child who is going to be seen finally as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. If that hadn't happened, none of those other things happened. Israel would never be saved. Israel would never receive the promises of the Lord. We wouldn't be saved. We wouldn't understand that God is taking care of every one of our sins forever, forever. And see, let the miracle of a baby born without a human father, with the power of the Most High and the Holy Spirit coming upon him, let that incredible story give you a sense of the of the size, the breadth of the glory of God, all being coming down into this simplicity of, of telling us that God's love for us has no bounds. He will break the laws of gravity. He will break the laws of biology. He'll do whatever it takes in order to save us. And I say that because we also need to take time to treasure that and ponder that in our hearts. And not just a fact, not just, well, the Bible says this. That's all good. But to then internalize it and have it part of us so that we don't fall into traps where we don't start feeling guilty for our sins or always asking, what do I got to do? What do I got to do about my sins? And the answer is really nothing because Jesus Christ died for all the sins. God actually became human, born, baby, wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger so that he could take care of all of that for us. One shot deal. Jesus Christ, the perfect sacrifice. Why? Because he's perfect in his humanity. He's God in the flesh. And he went to the cross and he died one time. Perfect sacrifice, never to be repeated. Nothing that we need to do except believe, which is, of course, the whole thing. The whole thing is that God is saying, listen, this is miraculous. This is look at the things that I have done. I'm not asking you to do a thing. I'm asking you to just believe it. Believe the story of Christmas. Believe everything that the angel told, though, Joseph and Mary and the shepherds. Believe all of that. Let it change you inside. Let it let it appreciate. Let, let God become a little bigger this Christmas season when we consider the simplicity of a baby and the enormity of, of what the angels revealed about him. Jesus, baby, wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. He will save his people from their sins. You see, that's why Jesus came and still remains dwelling, God dwelling in the flesh. To save our people, to save the people from their sins. And you know what? In order to save the people from their sins, God had to come and become a baby lying in a manger. And then that baby had to grow up and all around and people could see again and again and again that he was a human being. You know, it's interesting that the thing that's so hard for human beings to believe is the fact that he's God. But you want to know what from heaven the most amazing thing about the birth of Jesus, it's not that he's God. They knew that in heaven. It's that he became human. You see, the perspective of heaven is the opposite of the perspective of earth. To us, the, the, they say, well, this is this is child. But we we got to believe all these things we can't see. You know, the, the, we have a hard time understanding how a baby could be God. And yet the angels in heaven have a hard time about seeing how God become a baby. It's a miracle everywhere you look at it, from every eye, of course, except God's because he's known it from eternity past. In order to save the people from their sins, God needed a body, a body to do that, a a human in every possible way. Because, Because only a perfect human 
God in the body could have one death and save everybody. That, that was unprecedented. It'll never be repeated again. And the reason that it can be done is because God did take a body. He needed a body to save the people from their sins. Please go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. God in the flesh. The word in the beginning was with God and the word was God. And then the word who had been God from the beginning, before beginning, before time, for eternity, back, 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 back. Always God, always the son of God. That word became flesh. Why? First Peter chapter two, verse 24. And he himself bore our sins where? In his body. And literally, it's the same body that was born on what we call Christmas now, born in Bethlehem, born in a stable, born and and wrapped in clothes, lying in manger. It was that body, that very same body. Yes, he grew up. Yes, he ate and he, and he drank and he got strong from being a carpenter's son and, and had this amazing ministry. And he needed his body to do that, by the way. If you think about the fact that he was anointed before he went to the cross and by, on his body, everything about him, he, he, he had to have a human body. He had to be human. We'll see another reason for that in just a couple of minutes. But the, but the, but the real reason was that he, he would have his body on the cross. And when he was up there, as it says, Peter says in 1 Peter 2, 24, he himself, a person. God in the flesh bore our sins where? In his body on the cross. That's so specific, by the way. You can't miss it. You can't miss the fact that that a human being who's also God with a body, we know exactly where our sins went. They went into a human body, a human body that was born of a woman in a miraculous birth. He took all our sins, all of them. And again, you can't improve on that. There's nothing you can do to improve on the fact that God had a miracle and a baby born of a woman would be the son of God and would go to the cross. And in that in that one afternoon, God said, I put all your sins in his body so that all your sins would be (coughs) would be judged and taken away. And not only that, but you, by believing in Christ, would not only have your sins taken away, but but sin itself you would no longer be in bondage to. Death you would no longer be in bondage to. All of that because a baby born of a woman was wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. You're healed forever. You're healed because of what he did in that body on the cross. Don't ever let guilt interfere with the enormity of what this verse tells us. Don't ever let 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 discouragement or what other people say about you ever diminish what the Lord in his body accomplished for you. You're healed forever. God's never going to bring up your sins. God has already looked at you and said, you believing in my son, seeing my power at work, seeing my love at work, understanding what he's already accomplished in his death. You know, we talk about the gospel and it's the message of what we're sinners. Jesus Christ, born of a woman, God in the flesh, went to the cross, died for our sins, was buried and was raised from the dead. Believe all of that, but understand that 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 tells you everything you need to know about God, everything you need to know about how much he loves us and everything that he's taking care of for us. So that what? See, by dying to sin, we live. We live to righteousness, unattainable by any works, by any human merit, by any confession, by any animal sacrifice, by any of those things. You know, Paul would talk about in another context, the fact that he could take his body and have it burned but if he didn't have love, it didn't mean a thing. See, it's not our works. It's not It's not thinking about, well, I've been a good person. Well, you know, I've given a lot of money to the church or I've uh, 
volunteered at a soup kitchen or, you know, I've, every time I committed a sin, I just, you know, infested and did penance and none of those things. You know, um, there have been there have been Christians who have tried all of that only to come to the fact what Paul came to in Romans chapter seven, which is what wretched man, wretched man that I and the more you think that you can do something about your own sins, trust me the more wretched you will see yourself as because you can't do a thing. And trust me, too, as a, as a Christian, as you hear the word of God, as you understand the, what righteousness is all about and how you as a human being have none of it and can never get it. And Lord, will trust me, will reveal, you know this already, many of you will reveal more and more things about you that are really ugly. Why? To make you appreciate the fact that you in your flesh, in your human with sin, could never possibly get anywhere near the standard of perfect righteousness, ever. No matter what you did, no matter what you said, no matter how many prayers you prayed, no matter what you did, you'll still be wretched in the body. And that will, that will be the, the thing that will prevent you from peace. And even if you're saved, if you don't understand that there's nothing you can do of yourself, you won't have peace. You, you know, you, you will come to Christmas and you will see the baby lying in a manger and you'll still have this chip on your shoulder. You'll still have this guilt inside. You'll still be frustrated with yourself, which, by the way, to be disappointed in yourself. You know what that means? It means you have to believe in yourself. If you understand who you are, it were really. If you understand that Paul said, listen, you know what? I, I, the law came. I was alive. The law came and it killed me. And it made me realize not only that, but the more that, that I listened to the law telling me not to do something, the more I wanted to do it. How can that person, this is Paul, by the way, all right, how can anybody with that reality ever think that you can overcome the law, that you can overcome your sins yourself? It's impossible. That's why. The Lord had to become human and die a perfect death, a perfect sacrifice. Make sure that you don't forget, that you don't ignore the fact that you've been totally healed by the wounds of Christ on the cross, bearing your sins. He died on the cross to save his people from their sins. He needed a body to do that. Nails pierced his human hands. A spear pierced his human side. He died. Only a human body, not God, can die. Not only did he die, but he was buried. A human body went into the grave and stayed there until the third day when he, after being crucified, after dying, after being buried, all in a human body, that he was raised from the dead with a supernatural, now glorified human body. You see, not, he, he needed his human body to interact with people. He needed his human body to preach the way he preached. He needed his human body to do everything he did. You know, he was thirsty. He was tired. He was, uh, he was, he loved. You know, when we say human, it's not just the body, by the way. He was in every way, right? He, had, he, he was human in his mentality. Now, not the way we're human in our mentality, right? Not with, not with the uh, depravity that's in our head naturally. But he, he thought, he felt, he felt pain. He loved people. All of that. Then, then he was raised from the dead. Now we know that that was supernatural. When somebody's raised from the dead, it has to be power of God. And not only that, but he had this body that was glorified now. He walked through walls. One day it would rocket up to heaven. But he was still human. He will always be God and human. He's in heaven right now. He is seated right now. Do you realize that to be to be seated, you have to have a body? This is simple, but this is a simple time of year. This is why there was this baby, right, born, lying in a manger, wrapped in clothes. He needed a body, and he still needs a body to do all the things that he does for us and did for us. The day came. After he was raised from the dead in this glorified supernatural body, we started here. That body and a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger was raised from the dead. A, a declaration that when we believe in Christ, we are justified forever. 
the day came that as Jesus was raised from the dead, he appeared to many, many people, hundreds of people, we're told, by the Apostle Paul, spent 40 days, did more teaching, did more uh, guidance for his disciples. And then what happened? He, God with us, God with us, God in a body, ascended to heaven in that human body, glorified now, supernatural, but still a human body. You know, why? Because we know that because his disciples saw him go up. They, they looked in the clouds and then he left and they're saying, wait a minute. What about, we know he's the son of David. He's going to have to have a kingdom and now he's gone. John talked about him in, in, the, in the letter of First John as someone that they had seen and touched. He had a body and now he's gone. But that baby lying in a manger, you know what the truth is about him right now, this morning? That right now he is dwelling in his flesh and he's seated at the, at the, where is that? I guess I missed that slide. I miss slides sometimes. Get so excited. He'd been that baby and now he's seated at the right hand of the father. And, and you know what he does right now? He advocates for us in heaven. What does that mean? It means that he's, he's a human being as well as God. But because he's a human being, and we're going to see this in a passage in a minute, because he came and he lived a human life. And, and like nobody else ever, he, he understood human sin, not because he ever committed one, but because literally all our sins were in his body on the cross. And, and he came across lots of indicators that we were sinful and lost and wretched and dead in our sins. Time and time and again, he would come to people and he would see exactly how wretched we are, humans, naturally speaking. He wouldn't trust himself, ultimately, to any human being because he knew it was in us. Peter would, would deny him three times after that same night saying, Lord, we will die with you. But yet earlier, he had, not, he had no understanding even why the Lord came. He said, I'm not going to let you go to the cross. And, and at that moment, what did Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan. You see, there's no human being that didn't need to be saved from their sins. And Jesus understood all of that because not only is he God, but he's human. And so, and so he experienced rejection big time. We're studying the Gospel of John, and you know what? It's going to get worse as we go through the Gospel of John. When we get back to that, it's going to get worse, this rejection. rejection. It's going to get heated up and, and more, more vicious had to because we know the ultimate viciousness was ended up on the cross. That didn't happen by accident. I mean, God predetermined it, but it actually happened. And Jesus had experience telling people the truth about who he was and then having people walk away. We can't hear that. That is too difficult for us. The weakness of humanity, the flesh, the sinfulness. And yet he died and was buried and raised from the dead. And he's now up in heaven and he's advocating for us. I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 2 as we close this morning. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Today, right now, the baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger, who became an adult man went to the cross and died for our sins. Right now, he is seated in heaven and he is there for us still. He's there for us when he died on the cross. He's there for us when he was raised from the dead. There for us. And now he is seated at the right hand of the Father, seated in perfect peace. And yet he's still there for us. He, as it were, remembers what it's like to be a human being. He's still a human being. He remembers seeing all the weakness and sadness and grief and all of those things that the fact that we're dead in our trespasses and sins. And he sees us even now going through what we go through, you know, being weak ourselves and and sometimes forgetting who he is and sometimes being discouraged and angry and all those things. As Christians, let's let's be honest, we still have all that stuff going on. But we have an advocate at the right hand of the father who's human as well as God. Began as a baby, wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. Look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Notice how it's worded. Hebrews 2, 14. Therefore, since the children, that's us, share in what? 
flesh and blood, we're right back to the same thing. Why did God have to become that baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger? Why? So since we share in flesh and blood, we all do. We're all human. He himself, likewise, also partook of the same. That's why. Because we are, he became. Why? That through death, he might render powerless him who had power over us, the power of death itself. You know the power of death in people's lives. Even in our own life, if we're being honest, you know, we still have a sense that death is horrible, even though for us we know it's just a, a, a shadowed valley that we have to pass through. But we are aware, you know, we see other people. We, we see the, the, the despondency of people who hear bad news about their health. We see all that. We see the graves that we walk by from time to time. We understand the implications. We, we understand as Christians that we go all the way back to the, how, how man was created and how they, they, they sinned against God and how he said, you, you will die now, even though Satan said you won't. Well, we know now some of what that means, a lot of what that means. There's nothing greater other than having our sins forgiven than having the power of death wiped away. And that's what Jesus did. Notice. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, flesh and blood that dies, he himself likewise also partook of the same so that through his death, he might render powerless the one who had the power of death. That is the devil. Don't let anybody ever tell you that there's no devil. You can't you can't go in the New Testament very long before you see it. Jesus, the beginning of his ministry, spent 40 days in the desert to be what? Tempted by the devil. And we are tempted today as well. Why? Because we're human. There's a devil. He holds the power of death over everybody in the human race who doesn't believe in Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ has already defeated him. He's, he's rendered him power. Nobody has to be under the power of death because anybody can believe in Jesus Christ. Why? Look at verse 15. Why did he have to share in flesh and blood? Why did he have to become that baby that we that we think about, hopefully, there in Christmas time, wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger so that he might free those who, through fear of death, were subject to slavery all their lives? Most of you know that I have cancer. Most of you know that it, it, it metastasized in my spine. Maybe you don't. Now you do. I was reading an article in the Wall Street Journal talking about the fact that, the, that, that there is now a situation where more and more people, the author calls it cancerville. It's kind of a, I'm not sure it's a great word, but the point of it is, is, that, is that people that are afraid of death now have so many more reasons to be afraid of cancer. Why? Because we have these great, tools now that can diagnose quickly early we can we can send our poop in the mail and they can tell us whether we have colon cancer we have all these tests we have a psa test by the way the problem with those tests are they don't always accurate well what is it doing i want you to think about what is it doing to human hearts right what is it doing it's it's putting us under fear of death and and more and more people have to think about it more and more part of their lives don't let that happen don't let the fear of death get into your heart. Why? Because Jesus took care of it and he set us free from that. And the last thing we want to do is to be put in is to put ourselves in bondage to the very thing that his human body took care of on the cross so that we wouldn't have be afraid anymore, that we wouldn't be subject to slavery all of our lives. Verse 16, for assuredly, he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendant of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren. Notice the next three words in all things, completely human in all things. Why? Notice the why. So that are two of the most important words in the Bible. Hina in the Greek. So that here's the reason why. Here's the purpose. So that he might become, notice this, a merciful and faithful high priest. 
like no high priest the nation of Israel ever saw because those high priests were sinners themselves and they got tired and they probably were judgmental sometimes when people came and confessed their sins over the blood of an animal. They weren't always merciful. They weren't always faithful. The priests went AWOL. The high priests in the time of Jesus were part of the illegal trials that, that pushed him towards the cross. And yet Jesus is a merciful and faithful high priest. Notice I said he is. Why? Because he's priesthood now is in heaven. All right, A priest advocates for the people before God. What better advocate can we possibly have than God who has become flesh and died for our sins, bearing every one of them on his body on the cross and was raised from the dead and then sending it to heaven in a human body, a body that was born of a woman, wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger, seated right now, right at the right hand of the Father. We pray to God we have the access to the throne of heaven for grace and mercy. But not only that, we have Jesus, our high priest, human forever as well as God, advocating for us. Notice, again, verse 17, therefore he had to be made like his brethren in all things. This is why he was born and everyone saw that he was a human being, that he did have eyes and a nose and ears and little tiny hands and tiny feet, a baby. Why? So that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Big, fancy word, simple. What it means is that he's the perfect sacrifice for our sins. But notice verse 18. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he suffered. He cried out to God. Think about him in Gethsemane. Think about what it must have been like to have all many of your friends turn their back on you, to have their family not recognize at all who you are. He suffered, not just at the cross, but before. He himself was tempted in that which he has suffered. When when we're going through suffering, you know, we're in a weakened place. And a lot of times we fall to temptations that we wouldn't fall under when we weren't suffering. He himself was tempted in that which he has suffered. And, and now he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Now, right now, today. So, so this baby lying in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes, became an adult man, went to the cross, died, was raised from the dead in a glorious, incredible resurrection body, seated today at the right hand of the Father so that he can come and help us now. He helped us on the cross. He's helping us now. Why? Because we're tempted right now. Only really one who was tempted in every way that we are can truly be the perfect and faithful high priest to advocate for us and to come to our aid when we are in those situations of temptation. He needed a body to grieve, just like we grieve. He needed a body to suffer hunger and thirst and rejection, just like many people do. He had to be tempted in every way that we are so that now God's son, still dwelling in flesh, pleased for us before his heavenly body. God with us, that baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Let's treasure these things. Let's ponder them in our hearts. Let us come and adore him. Come, let us adore him. Come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord, the Son of God, Jesus. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, during this time when the world can be blinded still, even when the whole focus is supposed to be your son and his birth and the amazing things that that birth accomplished ultimately, we know that the world is blinded. There's a veil over their eyes. And if we're not careful, we can, be, we can follow them in the same direction these blind people go in. But we don't have to because we have your word and we have what your word tells us about your son. And we ask, Father, that we would continue to ponder these things and treasure them in our hearts. And, Father, today we also pray that, that you would give us the ability the, the, the courage, really, the, 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 to, to tell the, the world this time of year, really, when they're at least perhaps curious, somewhat open, maybe some, 
to this baby is and why he came. We would ask, Father, that also that you would allow us to enjoy the simplicity of a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. We ask this also, Father, we want to ask for your guidance, your healing, your son at your right hand is, is advocating and pleading for those among us who are suffering, who are tempted in different ways, who may be discouraged, who may be fearful. Time and time and again, when he was with us on earth, he would say, don't be afraid. The, letter, the writer of the letter of Hebrews said, we don't have to fear death anymore. So, Father, we would ask that through the Holy Spirit and your word, that that, that message would dwell deeply in our hearts so that we could be delivered from any bondage that we have to sin or to death. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I just want to let you know that we are going to have our regular schedule you know, for the next two weeks, because because Christmas and New Year are on Saturday, so we have, we can Friday you can have your Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. Saturday you can do your thing on Christmas and New Year's Day. It won't interfere with our regular schedule Thursday and Sunday. So we're going to keep that, okay? Even though we're in the Christmas season and the holiday season, so that means in particular we're going to have our Bible study also this Thursday and next Thursday as we normally do here live in Camp Consulting and also on Skype. All right. The gospel of Jesus Christ, that baby wrapped in a swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, God in the flesh came because we are all born sinners, born sinners. Nothing. We didn't do anything to become a sinner, by the way. It was just who we are as sons and daughters of Adam, dead, though, in our trespasses and sins, tempted. And before we have the power of the spirit and the word of God, we fall for temptation, we did, and people, unbelievers, are still falling for temptation and temptation. And uh, Christ is the light, shines on every man. Holy Spirit convicts every man. So we, we have an opportunity to participate in that, to let people know, in no uncertain terms, that you, they're sinners. Everyone's born in sin. That's why the good news we're about to tell you is so good, that God sent his son Jesus Christ, born of a woman, that baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, he sent, and he went to the cross for you, unbeliever, to die for your sins too. We're not special as Christians. We're just, we just have our eyes open and we're born again to the truth of who Christ is by believing in him. Christ died for your sins, was buried in that human body, was raised from the dead in a resurrection body. So that everyone could see the miracle from birth through resurrection, through ascension and session into session in heaven. This is Christ the Lord. This is who you can believe in, can believe that just like Joseph heard, that he has saved you from your sins. The son of God, human being, wrapped in clothes as a baby, saved you, will save you, has given salvation as a gift. And all you got to do is, is hear this amazing good news, this, this eye-popping, brain-bursting, amazing news, and believe it. Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. So, Father, once again, we do want to praise you and glorify your Son this time. We, um, we ask, Father, that the Holy Spirit would keep our hearts devoted and focused to Jesus Christ and to the truth about him this Christmas season. We ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Merry Christmas, everybody. You're at this time dismissed and free to go do all your shopping and all your cooking and all that stuff you, you still think you need to do. So have at it, but don't forget about that baby. All right. Have a great day.